Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. If you're brand new to here, we actually started a series last week titled Jesus. I love talking about Jesus. He saved my life. Uh, a lot of you in here, he saved your life, changed my life. Uh, the life I have today, the marriage I have today, the joy I have today, the peace I have today, the fulfillment I have today, the contentment I have today, the breakthrough I have today, everything's from Jesus. So I like to talk about him a lot. Uh, this book, six, six books by, written by four of the authors, it's, it's about Jesus, all of it. It just points to Jesus. So I'm gonna talk about him a lot. And so uh, this series for Christmas is titled Jesus. Last week we talked about when grace spills in the streets. If you missed it, I, it was one of my more favorite messages. I talked about Jesus, just a fa- uh, fantastic message by me. Um, <laughs> I didn't know how to finish that. Okay. Um, anyway, let's just go to the Bible. Let's help us, Jesus. I'm on antibiotics and other things. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was uh, uh, with God in the beginning. Ever say word? word. Turn and ever say word. word. And that, like, back in the day, it was kind of a cool thing to say word. Uh, right now, as a family, I'm walking the house, and I've been saying this, like, how you living? And Rachel hates it. Um, I'll be like, how are you living, girl? She's like, I don't like that at all. I don't like it. I don't like it. Stop it. And so um, I don't know when like word died or like what's up, but they all kind of go away. Um, he was God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's uh, fast forward to John 1, 14. It says this, so the word became human and made his home among us. Sometimes you gotta read that verse and really realize what God did. Sometimes you just gotta stop and say, hold on a second. The king of kings left his throne where he was being worshiped to come to this earth to be born in a manger and to be mocked and crucified for me. You, you, th- th- that is not a verse to just be read ca- cavalier or casually. This is a, an amazing statement. He made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father, one and only Son. Stop. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your word is alive. It's active. It's powerful. We thank you that uh, your word is just this light to our feet, but there's something powerful about it, God. It's, it's, it, your word says it's medicine to our soul. Your word says that it's the thing that can keep us from sinning, that can keep us upright, that can keep us uh, from death. And so, Lord, I just pray that the word of God that, that just brings life. Lord, Lord you, you're showing your word in Mark 4 that the word of God would have our life flourish more than we ever thought we could. So, Lord, may we learn from your word today because you are the word, Lord. We love you. We love you. And everybody said? I don't know about you, but um, raise your hand if you're married in the house. Married people, what's up, what's up, what's up? Single people, raise your hand. Take a look. <laughs> you're welcome, you're welcome. Um, start a singles ministry, it's called Sunday. Um, anyways, I uh, got married seven years ago. Rachel and I were da- uh, started dating 10 years ago. And when you get married, you know what you find out? You were so different than your spouse, okay? Maybe that's just Rachel and I. And don't get me wrong, like when Rachel and I were dating, like it was, I mean like, Favorite person to hang out with. Rachel's so fun. She's awesome. But then you get married and you realize, wow, like we are different. Like I remember going to her family for Thanksgiving for the first time. And on, at our family, at least for Thanksgiving, we would get a bunch of like, you know, appetizer things and we would just watch football and then we'd sit around the table and have a really awkward family dinner. That was our Thanksgiving, okay? Um, Rachel's family, I go over to her house and I'm like, all right, we're gonna watch football, right? So I, I turn on the football and, and I, I sit down and everybody's going to grab their cameras. I'm like, what's everybody doing with their cameras? And they're like, all right, Tyler, we're going to go on a a picture walk. We're going to go take pictures of flowers. You want to come? No, I I really don't want to come. No, no. No, I I don't know what you're doing right now, but this is not how you do Thanksgiving, okay? Put the camera down. Just put it down. Just put it down. 
And, uh, and so I stayed by myself in the house and watched football on Thanksgiving. Um, it was our first Thanksgiving. I was learning how to be a good husband. The Tyler today would still do the same thing, but more finessefully make an excuse. Like, uh, you know, I'm a little, I'm allergic to sunlight right now. Um, I would have figured something else out. Um, but yeah, so uh, that happens. And then I remember us going on like our first big vacation after our honeymoon, because our honeymoon was easy. Like even dating honeymoon season is always like, where do you want to go? I don't know, where do you want to go? Just wherever you are is where I want to go. You know, like that kind of thing. And then the second vacation is like, what do you want to do? I want to go golfing. I'm gonna go golfing today, all right? With or without you, I'm going golfing, you know? Um, um, and uh, so then the, the second vacation, I remember us like going on vacation and it was weird, like it was one of our biggest fights and worst parts of our marriage ever. And like the two biggest things we fought about in our marriage, I don't know about your marriage, but everybody has some different tensions. You gotta figure out how to, uh, how to solve them or manage them. But ours was finances and vacation. So finances is why we fought a lot was Rachel grew up like with money. And so um, like if she wanted, like there was three things she wanted. She would get all three things, because that's what you do if you have money. Like, I'm going to go on vacation, I'm going to get the pony, and I'm going to get my new shirt. Problem solved. Um, and, uh, and then there's me. We had no money. And you're like, hopefully I can just get a toy on Christmas. That's literally, not to like paint the picture, but um, so then I grew up on a budget. Rachel had a great job at Sony. She's going to go to Florida. Uh, I mean, she's going to go to Europe. She's going to buy a new camera. She just, she, when you have money, you don't have to think about it, you know? So then we get married. She married a guy in ministry. I was like, hey, so what do you want to do? you want to go to Maui? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? She's like, we're doing all three. I was like, no, we can't do all three. She's like, what? Like, this math does not compute. Like, what do you mean we can't do all three? And we had to figure out, like, a budget of me not trying to control and squash her dreams of enjoying the world, um, but also us being able to eat food every night, okay? So it was this really a tough tension. Um, so that was one thing, but then we figured out how to uh, manage our finances, and I've actually like become uh, a little bit better at spending. She's become better at saving. It really became a cool kind of thing. Um, and so then, uh, then we go on vacation, though, and it was weird, like, you know, uh, we were in Maui and Rachel wanted to drive the road of Hana, like the whole road of Hana at Maui. It takes like all day. But then after the road of Hana, she wanted to drive to the volcano all in the same day. Okay, if you know this, this is like 14 hours of driving, looking out, taking pictures. It was one of the worst days of my life, okay? Um, <laughs> on vacation, and we like, and, and what happened on this vacation, if I'm being honest too, is I'm in the car, we're driving around, we're looking at all these things, and Rachel coined this term from, I think this event or another one, she started calling me 10,000 pound Tyler. Okay, and you know what 10,000 pound Tyler is. If you have a kid, it's when your kid's like at a uh, toy store and he doesn't want to leave, and they're like, come on, let's go, and they're like, no, nah. and you try to pick him up, and they're like, oh, and like, like you're trying to carry him, and they're like, I'm not leaving, I'm not gonna go, and they're like, like how did this kid that's 70 pounds feel like they're 1,000 pounds, you know? Um, well, I would act that way emotionally, okay? And so we would go to places on the, um, you know, on our vacation. Like, well, I just really want to go see this waterfall. It's only five hours in this little road. We got to go see this waterfall. And so I'd just be driving there the whole way like this. <laughs> but then secretly thinking, like, I'm the greatest husband on the planet. Like, I took a vacation to drive down this road. <laughs> You're welcome. You know? And then we left, that, we left that vacation like, man, we can't spend life this way for the rest of it. This is going to absolutely destroy us. And so I remember us like figuring out like what we could do to fix it. And we came up with this mechanism called your day, my day, our day. And what, what it, some married couple was like, God bless you. We need that. You know what I'm saying? I, I literally heard like, I heard like pain in that. Yes, finally, something. Um, so your day would be, uh, if we're going to have an adventure day on a vacation, or even once a week we try to do a date day and have an adventure day, what your day would be like, okay, babe, what do you want to do today? And Rachel would be like, I want to go to Monterey, and I want to go to the missions of where Juniper Sarah started the missions. A lot of you don't know what that is because it's super boring. Uh, <laughs> but what it is, is, to be honest, like Rachel had my family visiting one time, and she's like, do you guys want to see the mission history in, in Monterey? And my dad was like, nobody cares, Rachel. It was in the car. 
And she's like, that's really mean, Bob. Um, and lies, you can't pick him, okay? And so, so if you're asking me what I want to do in Monterey, one of the golf capitals of the world, I want to golf. But Rachel, she wants to go see the missions. So what we've decided is if it's your day, we act like it's like the best idea. Like I act like it's my idea. Like she's like, do you want to go to the missions today? I'm like, do I want to go to the missions today? Juniper, Sarah, let's go, you know? And then you walk around there and it's like sunset heart hands, sunset heart hands, take a picture, you know? Um, I become Instagram boyfriend during that time, okay? Take pictures of all these things I would never take pictures of and like selfies we never do. And now Rachel's day, I'm not 10,000 pound Tyler, I'm the best husband on the planet, you know what I'm saying? Now on my day, we go golfing. And now Rachel, I'm like, hey, you wanna go golfing? Do I wanna go golfing? So she rides in the golf cart, she finds golf balls for me, she tells me good job. Uh, sometimes, sometimes she doesn't know golf etiquette very well, so I'll hit a couple, uh, we were playing, uh, I was playing a course with a lot of trees, and like on the seventh hole, she goes, are you trying to hit the trees? No, no, sweetie, I'm not trying to hit the trees. That's not how you play golf. I'm just terrible, okay? Um, so we figured out your day, my day, and then we figured out another one called our day. And our day is something we both enjoy doing, and we both feel like our, our tank was filled up that day. It's been an amazing thing. So if you're a married couple and you're trying to figure out, hey, how do we do that? You're welcome. Your day, my day, our day, for free. Now, that's marriage. But when you get saved, can I just let you know something real quick? You and God are a lot different. Like me and Rachel were a lot different, but you and God are like really, really, really different. Okay, like, like, like the, how angry you get, he doesn't, he's slow to anger, you know? Like how much you love and how he loves, how he wants to spend his day with you and how you want to spend your day with him. There's a chasm there a lot of the time. And so what happens in this Christian walk is we literally, maybe uh, organically or intuitively, we start creating your day, my day, our day with the Lord. Sunday, it's your day today, Lord. I'm gonna give you today. Today's your day. But Monday, you start going, today's my day. I got, you know, I, I got to take care of me, you know? And then Tuesday, uh, today's, today, it's my day today. You know, Wednesday, it's my day today. Uh, Thursday, my day. Uh, Friday, our day. We'll start off reading our day, Lord. You're welcome Friday. Give you Friday and Sunday. You know, Saturday, you're, you're not saying this, but the way you're living is saying it. And then, and then Sunday comes around. Okay, God, is your, actually NFL playoffs. It's not your day. Sorry, God. Um, my team never makes playoffs. Sorry, God, in two weeks, it'll be your day again. And then finally, can I just submit to you that at the end of this message, my prayer is that the word of God would convince you that there's no better decision to make every day his day. To make every day you wake up and go, God, your day is the best day that I could ever live. My life with you is the best day I could ever live. Oh, but it's a chasm to get there. It really is. There's things that I never thought I'd like until I married Rachel that I really enjoy. Like I just, it's weird when you marry somebody. I don't know, but you, who's the person who you won't try anything? Like, hey, you want to try the sushi? Gross. You know, hey, you want to try the sushi? Like, I just never would try anything. I'm that kind of guy. And then you marry Rachel and she wants me to try everything. And I found out I was missing out on a lot of things. Same with the Lord. The Lord's going to have you try things you never thought you'd try. Have you try forgiveness? Have you try serving? Have you try generosity? Things you maybe never would have tried, but you realize it's the way that you were created to live. Let's, uh, let's look at this now. That's just the opening illustration, and we got 22 minutes. Here we go. Um, <laughs> So what's going on in this time of history? So I just read you this, uh, this uh, verse in John 1, more famous verses. In the beginning was the word, word was God, word was with God, word, 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 all these kind of words. The Greek word, word right there is the word logos or can pronounce logos. Either way, you're fine. You're pronouncing it correctly. So logos or logos. Now, why is that important to this, uh, uh, this teaching today? Well, at this time in history, uh, the people were obsessed with trying to figure out why am I alive? Why is there breath in my lungs? Why am I on this planet? Why was I created? What am I built to do? Why am I alive? What's the meaning of life? 
And the term they would use was logos. What is the logos? What is the divine reason why I'm alive? So, so everybody was searching for the logos in life, the logos of life. What is my logos of life? And so the greatest minds would give their life to figuring out the logos of life, the word of life, the, the meaning of life. This, this word would be logos. And so these two big groups kind of uh, rose to the top. Some universities were created to figure this out. Greek philosophers were dedicated to this. And so one of the groups was called the Epicureans. And the Epicure, uh, Epicureans were uh, this group that at the end of all these years of giving themselves to figuring out, why am I alive? This is what they landed with. There's no reason why you're made. Just live for pleasure. You have this many years on the earth, just, just pleasure. Just like you can enjoy pleasure, so just have a lot of pleasure. And so they just live for pleasure. And then there's another group that rose to the top, and they were the Stoics. And the Stoics were a little bit more nobler. The Stoics were like, okay, here's why you're created. There is no reason. Okay, great. Both of us gave no reason. That's great to hear. They said, but we should be noble. We should be generous. We should have right and wrong. And so you have the Stoics and the Epicureans giving people the answer of why they're created. And both of them were just, oh, just found wanting. They were so lacking. And so when you read this verse, you got to understand this. John 1 is not some kind of soft verse. It is this declaration. In the beginning was the reason for life. His name is Jesus. In the beginning was the reason for life. He is the reason for life. The reason for life became man among us. The reason for life came to dwell among us. So what he's saying is, guess what? The reason for life, the why you were created, it's not, a, it's not a place, it's not a position. The logos is a person and his name is Jesus. Yeah. Can I just give you a heads up real quick? Contentment will never be found in a place or a position. Contentment is only found in Jesus. Fulfillment is never found in a position or a place or a, a position. No, it's never found. Fulfillment's never found there. It's found in a person. His name is Jesus. I'm going I'm to triple down. Can I triple down? Flourishing. If you want to flourish in life, it's never found in a place or a position. It's only found in the person of Jesus. This is a declaration of all decorations from the Word of God to you. It's saying if, if you want to get this real quick, you need to understand something. You will never know the meaning of your life. You'll never know why you're created. You'll never be fulfilled. You'll never be content. You'll never actually flourish until you actually realize that you were created for Jesus, to love Jesus, to serve Jesus, to worship Jesus. This is, this is the declaration of John 1. Now, if I could just be honest, what does that apply to us today? Because we don't have a university of Stoics or a university of Epicureans. We don't have that. But I would say in the church today, we have Christian Epicureans and Christian Stoics. And a Christian Epicurean is somebody who sees Jesus as a supplement. You come to church and you... You want to use Jesus to get to a place or a position or a place financially. And you can, you can spot a Christian Epicurean pretty close. and They're, like, they're pretty easy to spot because here's, here's the language of a Christian Epicurean. I gave God everything and I, I, I still don't have the new promotion. I gave God everything, but for some reason, I'm living here instead of there. Instead of this, I got that. I gave God this, but he's not giving me this. So you're frustrated with Jesus, not because he's not a person. You're frustrated because you thought he was a vehicle, a car that you could get in and drive wherever you wanted. He is not a vehicle to be driven wherever you wanted. He is a person to have a relationship with. And once you have a relationship with him, he'll take you places you never thought you could go. And so the Christian Epicurean in the church today is really kind of the supplement Christian. You know, a little post to make you feel better, a little, little tagline. You know, like people meet you and like, like you know, like when they're going through something hard, you just give them a little tagline and they walk away. And you're like, oh yeah, the quote saved my life, thank you. And then there's Christian Stoics. Christian Stoics are in the church today and they basically, they think the way that we have church become powerful and the way church should be done is right or wrong. They find their preference, 
Church should be a noble way, and this is how church is done noble, and they literally have their list of right and wrongs. But can I just be honest? Christian Epicureans and Christian Stoics fall drastically short of changing the world. They don't change the world. A Christian Epicurean, if I could just use this kind of illustration, it'd be like somebody's drowning uh, in the ocean, okay? And a Christian Epicurean, like somebody's drowning, like, oh my gosh, you're drowning. You know what you need? Here's a quote that I wrote, read yesterday. It's fantastic. It helped me get through my Monday. They don't need a quote. They need a savior. How about this? You throw them like a pool toy. You're like, hey, have fun swimming in the water with your pool toy. I don't need a pool toy. I need a savior. I am drowning. I don't need some feel-good little thing. I need the power of God to reach into my life and take me out of the depths of hell. That's what I need. But all you're giving me is a little uh, pool toy. That's what a Christian Epicurean does. Christian Stoic, if I'm just being honest, is a little worse, okay, just for me, because here's why. Christian Stoic, the person's drowning, they take out a swimmer's manual and toss it to him in the water, like, read this, learn how to read it, and then you won't drown to death. Good luck, you know, and they're like, they're just like trying to read it. Like, they don't need a, a, a swimming manual, they need a lifesaver, and his name is Jesus. If I'm being honest, outside these walls, inside these walls, marriages are getting destroyed, mindsets are being destroyed, lives are being destroyed. It's so dark today in our culture, and what I love about this, John 1, it says the word, the word, the word, it says the light came into the earth, and the darkness will not overcome it. Yeah. And so the problem is, is this world does not need a Christian stoic to tell them what's right or wrong. This world does not need a Christian Epicurean to tell them the nice little pick-me-up thing. They need the power, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, Spirit-filled Jesus, to say, you can be saved, you can be changed, you can be set free, you can be healed. That's what they need today, okay? Is this making sense at all? So, so many people are just missing out on the meaning of why they should come to church and be the church and be a son and daughter of the living God. So let, let's, let's look at this. Why is it so important? Why is it so important to not treat Jesus like a supplement or a vehicle to get where you want to go, but actually to treat him like the Lord? Because if I'm being honest, I love how C.S. Lewis said it. I'm going to paraphrase it. He came to this conclusion. C.S. Lewis said he's either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. You cannot say anything else about Jesus. Either he was just some guy who was lying or he was a lunatic who actually thought he was God or he was Lord. And really what that's saying is this, is if you're in the house and you're like, well, God's, Jesus is a good guy. I think he's nice. He's a good dude. I'll take some advice from him. No, no, no. This guy had people die for him. He gave a gospel message to go say, change the world, give your whole life up for it. A liar or a lunatic would ask people to give their life up for something that isn't real. But the Lord who says, I am the king of kings and there is a kingdom and it is heaven and this is the way you're called to live and this is what your, uh, your purpose on life is. Go live this way. It doesn't matter if somebody hurts you physically. You are saved eternally. And so they live differently. So you can't just say he's a good guy. Either he's the Lord of everything or he's the Lord of nothing. Yeah. So why is it so important to figure out why we're alive? This is, this is why they were so obsessed with it, especially in this time uh, of history. The meaning of life was connected to reaching the full potential of your life. So it's simple, just they wanted to know, okay, if we know why we're created and what we were created for, therefore we could reach the fullest potential of our life. And I'll just, a couple of illustrations just to make this make sense. Um, I have an iPad. Uh, who has an iPad? Raise your hand. Come on now. Yes, what's up? Who doesn't have an iPad? I was shocked. Tell me. Yeah, this is shocking to me, you guys. They're so affordable, so functional. I thought everybody had an iPad. Last service, I was like, what is going on? I, like, I, I literally had to like recalibrate one in my message. Like, so many people don't have an iPad. Well, I have an iPad. I'm one of the few, I guess. Um, and uh, one of our council meetings a little while ago, and I, I, uh, I um, 
come to our council meeting, I'll bring like a little uh, printout of what, what's going on. And, and one of our council members, Michael Chia, a great guy, he has his iPad, we have the same iPad by the way, and he is taking notes on it with this like cool little pen, you know, that's like this like electronic pen, and, and then like writes it all nice. And then, and then he, uh, his cover, he opens it up and it turns into like a computer and he's typing on it. And I was like, that, our iPad can do that? You know? He said, oh yeah, he's like, this is just like scratching the surface. I was like, oh, okay, okay. And so, so I leave that meeting, and if I could just be honest, I still haven't done anything with my iPad besides this. This is all I use my iPad for. All I, I watch movies on planes. <laughs> I love it. It's a great thing to watch movies on planes. You can get different sizes, you, know, it, uh, you can download Netflix. So can you imagine if you were the person who was working at Apple and you, like, I mean, blood, sweat, and tears, and you poured into this iPad, you're like, we're gonna make it do this, and it can do this, and you basically, it could run like a, a, a car, and it can, it can, it can, it can be inside of a, a computer place, and it can just literally just change anything it wants to do. And then you sit next to me, you're like, are you liking the iPad? Oh, I love it, what do you do with it? I watch movies on it. <laughs> if you were the creator of the iPad, or one of the people you're like, you disgust me. <laughs> I would like just devastate you. You're like, this, this, this wasn't just a movie player. It's got so much more potential. I'm not using the iPad to its fullest potential. Can we agree with this? Yes? Um, let's, let's, let's keep going. Uh, so my buddy Drew, we were there two weeks ago, and um, we were going to hang out for the night. And he's like, hey, uh, um, on the way back, you guys, uh, you guys should rent a movie. Uh, go to Redbox, grab a movie, and watch it. And I literally like, stopped and I go, Redbox? You do, Red? You, you know that your TV is a smart TV like... You know, there's like 7,000 apps now, Apple Plus, Disney Plus, Amazon, Netflix. He's like, oh yeah, we still just do Redbox. I'm like, and I literally like, I'm like, Drew, your TV is like a $2,000 smart TV. You don't have to leave the house to go get a disc and you gotta return it. Like, change your life, man, you know? And so he calls me literally yesterday. He's like, hey bro, we got Amazon Prime. It's amazing. I was like, yeah, I know. It's been out for like 10 years. Like, what were you doing, Redbox? Like, it's like you just go to Blockbuster. Like, come on, you know? Okay, anyways, um, really upsetting. Uh, and then last but not least, let's go, let's go really heavy on this illustration. Can you imagine coming over to my house? And we just had shampooed my carpets, and so I need to keep the doors open in the bedrooms. And in one of the bedrooms, you saw um, uh, me using a coffee maker as a doorstop. And you say, do you know what that thing is? And let's say I never knew what a coffee maker was. You're like, I'm like, no, it's just, it's just kind of heavy enough to be a doorstop, so I use it as a doorstop. And you're like, Tyler, that machine makes the greatest drink on the planet. It's called coffee. You gotta go plug it in. Now who drinks coffee in the house? Raise your hand. You can trust these people, right? They're trustworthy people, okay? Revival doesn't start till you drink that coffee, Tyler. And so imagine me taking this thing that I used as a doorstop for years. You show me, you plug it into the wall, you give me some coffee grounds, and I brew some coffee and I drink it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is the greatest thing ever. Changed my life. Let's talk about you and I now. Why is it so important for you to know why you're alive? Because some of you, if I could just please, don't, don't receive this as condemnation, but receive, receive this as an opportunity to live for so much more. Some of you live an iPad life right now. If, if the creator of the universe literally asks you what you do with your life, entertainment, can't wait for the next movie to come out, can't wait to just have another, another fun Friday, and all you're thinking of for your life is to be entertained by pleasure and things of this world. And the creative universe, you're, you're built for so much more than just to be enjoying entertainment. Entertainment's not bad, but that's not why you're on this planet. You are built to change the world. I have so much purpose for you. There's so much potential in who you are, and you're using your life just to enjoy entertainment? Oh, no, no, no. I did not die on a cross for this. Now, can you imagine the smart TV one? Oh. That you look at your life and you go, man, like, I'm going everywhere else to find what is already in my home. 
I'm going to different places to go rent things which I've already had purchased for me by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I don't have a $2,000 TV. I have the Holy Spirit. I have the, the Word of God. And I'm going to other places to find peace and fruit and everything else. And I'm trying to rent it out through relationships and hobbies. And God's saying, what are you doing? It's right here in your life. Try it. It's called me. I am Lagos. And if I could really be a little intense real quick. Some of you are living in a doorstop life right now. The creator of the universe gets to decide why you were created. Nobody else. And some of you, the way that you allow people to treat you in relationships... They're treating you like a doorstop. They are using you. You are not built to be used by this world. You are not built to be trampled on by this world. You are not used to be spoken to in a way from this world. You are not. You, revival starts with you. You are not a doorstop. You are a revival maker. Is this making sense at all? So let's, let's, let's keep going with this. I wrote you guys some poems. Well, that was mean. Well, you know. When somebody tells you they wrote you a poem, you're never supposed to laugh, okay? Um, so, <laughs> first service didn't laugh. They were like excited. You know that? Uh, so first one, what's going on in history? Second point I had is, uh, why is it so important to find out why you're alive? Third one is, who are you going to to figure out why you're alive? Like, who are you gonna give authority to? I think this is a decision you should really process. This is a big decision in your life. You should really sit there and process who was the authority of my life and why you were created. Now, now let me just share the poems and this all makes sense. So I got two poems, let me just read them to you. First one, um, oh, how I want thee. I want thee in winter, I want thee in spring, I want thee in summer, and I want thee in fall. But they tell me you're not good for me. That's my first poem. I don't know why I used thee a lot, it just sounded really poemy, okay? Uh, second poem, everyone else delights in thee, but I can't stand thee. You give health to others, but you would destroy me. These are my two poems, okay? Now. If you want them afterwards, email to you want to enjoy them, put them on plaque, you can have them, okay? Um, now let's just, I don't know if the applause hurt my feelings more or, or the laughter. Like, oh, you did it, you wrote a poem. Good job, little buddy. Um, yeah, that's what that felt like. All right. Um, so let's say I take these two poems and I put them in a classroom. And I put them in a classroom and there's 35th graders in the classroom with these two poems. And the teacher says, what do these poems mean? Why were they written? What's the purpose of these poems? What is the significance? What is the author of this poem trying to say? And so picture 35th graders, and finally 20 of them land on, it's gotta be, the first one's gotta be the love of his life. But she's kind of bad for him at the same time. She maybe is a two-timer, so he loves her, but she's just not a good girl. That's what the, so 20 land on that. The other 10 could be like some just weird ideas of what the poem's for. But they all land on, it must be a girl that hurt him, because you're not good for me, okay? Um, it's like a Taylor Swift song. Okay, anyways. Um, and then the second one, they're like, ooh, this one's even more intense. Like, like the people delight in you, but, but you would destroy the other person. You know, everyone else delights in thee, but I can't stand thee. You give health to others, but you would destroy me. Like, what is, what is this? Oh, it's, it's just so deep. What is he saying, you know? And so they land on something else. Like, let's say it's about a girl again. Okay, boom. Which, if I'm being honest, a lot of times when we think we're created, we think we're created just to go find a spouse. You know, it's what movies show us. Like, we kind of land, like, I think that's about it. No, no, no. So... Class finishes up, 20 kids aside, 21 kids aside on this, and they say, well, this one's about a girl, this one's about that. But what if, what if the author of those poems walked in the classroom, all the fifth graders? All right, guys, I'm gonna tell you what these poems mean. First poem, when you're hearing it, I need you to hear, because my nature will tell you what the poem's about. 
My nature will tell you what it's all about. And here's what, what I was saying when I said, oh, how I want thee. I want thee in winter. I want thee in spring. I want thee in summer. I want thee in fall. But they tell me you're not good for me. You know what I was writing about, kids? Pizza. I love pizza. And my buddy Cole, a couple weeks ago, I told him I've been working out. I haven't lost a lot of weight. What's going on? He told me I can't outrun my fork. That's how this poem was birthed, okay? I told Cole, I said, Cole, you've lost, I don't know how many pounds. I've only lost one pound. What's going on, man? I literally have an app. He told me I've burned 20,000 calories, but I've only lost one pound. What's going on? He goes, you can't outrun your fork, Tyler. You can't outrun it. And I was like, pizza. Oh, how I want thee. But I cannot have thee. They say, you're not good for me. Anyways, okay. So the first one's pizza, okay? Second one, second one. I mean, we were like, what is this? Everyone else delights in thee, but I can't stand thee. You give health to others, but you would destroy me. You know what that's about? Chicken. Chicken. Everybody else is like, you know what? When you're getting fit, eat a lot of chicken. It's high protein. I'm like, okay, fine. You can have the nutrition. If I eat chicken, I'll die. I'm allergic to chicken. Amphylactic shock, I'll die. It will destroy me. So now the author of the poems comes up and clears up everything for the fifth graders. Can I just show you throughout scripture what God says about you? He says you're his masterpiece. He says he's the author and the finisher. He says he's the one that designed you. He's the, the creator of you. All these things. And if I could just, you got to choose what seat you're going to listen to real quick. When you look at your life and why you're created and why you're here, you are either going to listen to culture, which is like a bunch of fifth graders trying to decide you as a poem why you're created. Or you can go to the creator of the universe who is sitting on his throne that knitted you and said, I am the reason why you're created. I am the meaning of your life. I wrote you. I designed you. Do not listen to somebody guessing why you were created. I'll tell you exactly why you were created. I'll tell you why you have breath in your lungs, why you were birthed at this moment. This is an amazing moment for some of you. Some of you have listened to the fifth graders say, you know what, why you're alive? Because you're a good administrator and you're good at administrating things. That's why you should be alive right now. You know what, you're, you're a good mom, which again, these are all great things. And so you're alive just to be a mom. No, no, a mom is a great thing. But if you find that's the only reason why you're alive, you're going to find yourself not fulfilled or content. Maybe for a season. But if you go to the Word of God and read in the beginning, was the Word, Word was God, Word was with God, Logos, 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 meaning, 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 it will change the way you see yourself, change the way you see life, because this masterpiece that God created, you don't define it, He defines it. If I'm just being real, the, the two the biggest things that set the church apart in the early church, two things, was generosity and purity. Boom. They, they, they couldn't believe that how pure the Christians would be, that they would want to wait till they were married. You want to know why they want to wait till they're married? Because the Bible says that God created sex and sex is for marriage, not outside of marriage. So either listen to the fifth graders and say you can date and do this way or you can do it the way God created it for. It's to bring two people together in a marriage and unify them. And so the, the, in Acts, like the two big things, that like, gosh, like nobody, nobody treats women like that besides Christian men. Nobody does. All the other men in the culture, they treat them like cattle, if I'm just being honest, at this time, cattle to be used and to be traded. But Christian men, they treasure women. And they actually talk about looking at them like a sister if they, they're not married to them. They actually honor them. What is this kind of man? It's a Christian man, and God defined it for me, not the world. This, this, this is, somebody wants a Christian man. Come on now. Um, come on. Let's keep going. Come on, worship team, come up here. Uh, so I, uh, I, I just have this, this burden, but it's not a bad burden. But as, as we pastor this church, Rachel and I, and as we get a really just steward, there's only one person in charge here, and his name's Jesus, in discussion. And as we steward this, I just, I keep going to his word. And I read his word, and I just go, man, like, the God that I read about, would transform cities. 
would transform families, would transform selfish people to selfless people, transform gossipers to worshipers, transform selfish people to the most generous people. God, that's what you do. And we're seeing it happen at Mission Church. I'm seeing it. But I just have this desire, as our church gets bigger and bigger, the only re- culture is reproducing who you are. And as we go on, the world does not need Christian Stoics or Christian Epicureans or a weird definition of why they're alive or not their life. They, they need a Jesus-sold-out believer who goes, I know what my life is about. You ready for the answer? Super deep. Here we go. Um, the reason why you're alive, Jesus will show this throughout, from Genesis to Revelation, is simply this. For relationship with him. Well, Tyler, that doesn't, I need, I need more. Can I ask you why you need more? Does your flesh need more? Because your flesh will always need more. But your spirit leads to the idea of, wow, you're telling me that what my spirit, my soul was created for, can spend the rest of its eternity with its creator? Now, let me just share an illustration with you, and I'll, I'll, I'll hope this will make sense to finish. The more and more you fall in love with the Lord, the more and more you become a Christian, here's what the things that you'll realize. It's not about what you're eating, but who you're eating with. It's not about even where you live, but who you're living with. It's not about even what you're doing, but who you're doing it with. This is what, when you really start to live the Christian life, you'll start to realize that positions don't matter. They really don't. Like positions, like titles, they don't matter. They don't fulfill the soul. Where you live, like that's not the kicker. That's not what's gonna fulfill the soul. But who you're eating with, that's steak with the worst people, crackers with the best people. Give me crackers with the best people. Steak with sinners and mockers and the world, or a cracker and some, some juice with the king of kings and lord of lords. Give me the king of kings and lord of lords. We'll have more fun. I'll be more fulfilled, more joy-filled. My spirit, my posture, I'll feel fantastic after that meal. And so, if I could just be honest, have you ever been with somebody who's just VIP? Like, you just get into doors you never thought you could get into. I remember being a VIP person for about six months of my life. I was, oh, I was so important. I was going to Bible college at this time, and I was in L.A., and... Um, when you're going to Bible college, you don't have a lot of money. So uh, we had annual passes at Disneyland. I was going to Bible college in LA and uh, they were doing this thing called the year of a million dreams. The year of a million dreams is this thing where you'd walk into Disneyland and they basically would pick somebody randomly and say, have you ever dreamt of having Disneyland all to yourself with your friends? And you would answer, yeah, that's a dream of mine. And they're like, your dream has come true. We close the park at 7 p.m. and California Adventure is yours from 7 to 10 p.m. with you and three friends. That would be like something they would give to you. Like, that's amazing, okay? If you're not like Elon Musk who can rent California Adventure, this is the only way it's gonna happen, okay? So um, I am this tall, kind of goofy guy, and I kept on getting picked for the year of a million dreams all the time. Like, I got, I got to go in the park all by myself with some friends. I got another one that said, um, would you, have you ever dreamt about going to the front of the line of every ride? And I was like, yeah, here's a pass. Wear it on your chest. You're a very important person today. You can go to every ride, go to the front. It's the ultimate fast pass. And I put it on and here are for your three friends. And everybody's like, hey, and if I could just rewind a little bit, everybody, all my friends who are going to college were like, okay, we got to figure out, is it, is there a time of day they give it out? Is it like the morning? Is that when, they, when we should go so we can get the hack? You found out they would get it all throughout the day. So it wasn't when, okay, maybe, Maybe it's, it's, it's like how like um, you, you're asking, like, like should you look for people, make eye contact with people? It wasn't when or how, it was who you're always. And what I mean by that is, put this picture up of me real quick. This is what I pictured. I feel like this is me in the crowds, okay? I'm just gonna be honest, okay? I feel like for some reason, I am this tall big bird guy, and so I'm walking to Disneyland a lot, like, 
and, and I can just picture from like 200 feet away, like the Disneyland person going, right there, that guy. I like something about that guy. We need to, that guy needs to have some Disneyland park by himself. And so what would happen is we would go to Disneyland, but people I didn't even know would be like, hey, Tyler, uh, you want to go to Disneyland on Friday? I'm like, I didn't even know you. Like, well, we should hang out. Why are you hanging out with me? I just, I hear when I'm with you, it's like, it's an awesome experience. Like, life's better. Like, Disneyland, I heard about like, you know, you've got it like five times. Five times I got Disneyland dreams. Five, it was unreal, okay? TD, pastor in Oklahoma can attest to this amazing testimony in my life. Um, Frankie could also attest to another guy we'd always hang out with. And it's fascinating, like the, the thing that I, I got from that picture, and I hope you can get this, is the word got out, if you go with me, you're gonna get to the front of the line. If you go with me, you're gonna get to places you never would get because I just had this like look to me, I guess. It's a big bird look. Now, I hope this illustration makes sense. It made sense to me. There's this moment in Revelation 3. I'm gonna throw it up on the screen. I wanna read it with you. And I just, I just you need to hear this real quick. The church of Laodicea was miserable, poor. We've heard this, this one more famous text. So a lot of you have been in church, you know about this. They're naked, miserable, poor. They had everything, but they really had nothing. And what's the antidote to having the life and victory they want? He goes on to say this. He goes, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Look, look what he's saying again. You guys can eat anything and everything you want. You can wear whatever you want. You can do whatever you want, but you're miserable because it's not about what you can do, what you can wear, or where you can live. Here's what it's about, who you eat a meal with. And so he goes, here's, here's the antidote to your failure. Here's the antidote to your defeat. Hang out with me. He goes on to say, he goes, share a meal with, uh, as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne. Go to the next one. This is where it gets like, okay? Just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. You hear what he's saying? Hey, you hang out with me every day. I'll get you into victorious places you've never seen. And then at the end of your life, I'll get you in a place that you never deserved to be in, you never should have got in, and this is the ultimate prize, and I pray it becomes our prize. May we not read the Bible with temporal eyes, but eternal eyes, and realize that our eternal prize is to be sitting at, at Jesus' feet in the throne room of heaven, being satisfied, being, uh, being made whole, all the things. Sickness, if you have sickness, man, say goodbye to sickness. If you have hurt and wounds from people, say goodbye to hurt and wounds from people. This is heaven, perfect, everybody whole, celebrating, that is the gift to everybody who eats a meal with Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.